and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. GGP. Episode 41. Episode forty one, yeah, Woo-hoo. it's insane. We are we are trucking, trucking, trucking uh, for for the year twenty twenty one, and of course on season two of GGP at this point, yeah. Uh, what movie are we doing this week, Brett? So yeah, we are doing the twenty twenty film uh, His House, which is currently streaming on Netflix. It actually got released, I believe, in October of twenty twenty on Netflix. So really, relatively new movie. Yeah, it's pretty new. We've done a couple of new ones in a row, uh, and this one has like a surprising one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like, I saw that cool. too. Yeah, that was amazing. Now, I do believe 100% critical consensus, and then I think it was like a 75% uh, audience score, which is oh, still okay. pretty damn good for good. a horror movie. So, I yeah. Know, which, honestly, I expected the last movie, Bad Hair, to have a higher score. But maybe it's because it's on Netflix. I feel like more people have Netflix and Hulu. I agree with that, yeah. And then I think um, this one is definitely more on the serious side. Well, um, of course, Bad Hair was definitely, it's a great movie, but it's definitely supposed to be like more of a B film. Um, True. So yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do we have any housekeeping to take care of on this lovely? I not that I remember. Do you? Did we? Did I say something last week? You didn't. (laughs) I kind of feel a little dumb. So uh, one uh, happy Ash Wednesday. It's Ash Wednesday. It's the first day of Lent. Um, If you are a fellow Catholic, I'm sorry. It's the most depressing time of the year for us. But um, I looked at the. our little title card for last week's episode. And somehow I, instead of um, putting um, a three, I put a six. And so it said episode 69. It's not. <laughs> and I'm too late. I, I haven't had, I just realized it today. And I was like, oh, well, I'll fix that later. It um, happens to the best of us, though. That's not too bad. Yes. Oh, and there was, oh my God, there was an actor that I mentioned and I didn't say his name and I was going to have it pulled up. Okay, so it was the actor who did the voice of Haku in Spirited Away um, and also did a lot of Disney films and was Max Goof. I think he still is Max Goof and Thackeray Banks' voice. It's Jason Marsden. Oh, yeah, Marsden. Okay. Sorry, I just had to say his name. Sorry, Jason Marsden, um, because I felt really stupid that I didn't remember his name and I forgot to look it up before... Um, we recorded last time and then I talked about how I knew his voice so well. Um, Mm -hmm. that was the only housekeeping I really had was I just felt kind of like an idiot, um, for not knowing his name. (laughs) Um, have you watched anything good this week? Um, of course, without going into a lot of detail, of course, we are keeping up with WandaVision. I've been thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Really, really like this newest episode. Um, it was a lot of shit goes down. Yeah, a lot of shit goes down. I like it. So, oh, um, <laughs> um, as Katie knows, and as um, a lot of you on the podcast uh, probably picked up on, um, I'm a little Scotland obsessed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't mention this first. Yeah, and um, so I actually uh, watched Men in Kilts on Sunday. Uh, so, and. God knows I'm blushing because I love Sam Hewen. Uh, is <laughs> it's not a secret that he is probably my uh, celebrity crush. Um, and he's so goofy. And of course, Graham McTavish um, is also on Men in Kilts. Um, so yeah, it's really cute, really short. Gentleman. Yeah, um, the first episode they go over uh, cuisine. Um, in Scotland, Ooh. and you know, they're like, oh yeah, of course everyone knows about haggis, but uh, the real stuff is seafood because of course it like borderlines all the beautiful oceans. Um, right. Yeah, and so it was cute, and it's a very short episode, so it's only like 30 minutes, um, but because of my, um, 
my little Scottish thing I'm doing right now. And because uh, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, my whole life I was led to believe I was half Irish and then found out this right. year I'm actually 47% Scottish. Uh, so I'm like, I'm like my the land of my ancestors. So actually, yeah. <laughs> I was rewatching Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the most Americanized version of Scotland, but that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. They say I was reading this article that Braveheart is one of the most historically inaccurate films I'm ever sure. made. I'm sure, but it is and, it is kind of cool. Like I remember seeing it when I was too probably too young to see it, but it was it was on mm-hmm. TV, so it wasn't as harsh as it could have been. Um, I did watch. So speaking not 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 being too serious, I watched actually a lot of movies this weekend. Um, ah. I was off work, so um, I was chilling out. I finally watched Sex in the City, the movie. Yes, I loved it. <laughs> I loved all of it. Um, and I've been—I re- started rewatching since I finished seasons four through six, which are my favorite seasons of Sex and the City. I'm in season two now. I started rewatching from the very beginning. Um, very different. Very, very different. Is it weird, like, in the first season when they look into the camera and talk? Yes! Like, I forgot that was, like, a whole thing. Like, and they have yeah. different New Yorkers talking, and you're like, okay. What? It's, I get what they're going for, but, you know, it was 98, so things were different. Um, really liked it. I thought Carrie's wedding outfit was, like, the most gorgeous thing ever. And, um, I was, I think I was texting Brittany. I was like, Big's a fucking moron. I can't I do this. I'm like, dude, just, just man up and... And marry her. Like, come on, guy. Like, I'm so I still, scared. like, I, I was telling Katie, um, I still get teary-eyed every single time that, like, uh, Carrie flings herself onto Charlotte and big steps towards him. And Charlotte's like, no! 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 Yeah. Like, but then also, like, it's weird because they go to Mexico and then Charlotte has, like, diarrhea in her pants. And then that's a joke. And also there's a joke about Miranda not shaving her bikini area. And they fully show yeah. Bush. And you're like... Not, she's wearing a bathing suit, but they show, like, how hairy her uh, thighs are. And I was just kind of like, oh, is this, like, because it's, like, really serious. And then, like, it's almost, like, three episodes in one, I would say. Even though it is a movie. I would agree with that. It feels more like three different episodes. It's like a story arc, which I I like because it still feels like Sex and the City. I'll be honest. I also literally will watch that just for the aesthetic because of the fashion. Yes. I don't think Sarah Jessica Parker is, like, I think she's beautiful. But I do get why people are like, oh, she's not, like, the classic aesthetic. But damn, that girl can work any outfit and wear anything and look flawless. Yeah. And I dare you to wear bright yellow shorts and a blue halter top, midriff-bearing bikini top, and look serious. Like, she just looks like that's how I walk around. Like, she's perfect for that part. I will be honest, my very favorite, and this is a very side note, uh, my very favorite Carrie Bradshaw outfit is that she wore a Chloe horse dress. So it's the fashion, like, designer Chloe. And it's a horse dress, and she wore a petticoat underneath it. Mm -hmm. And it's flawless. Like, what in the actual fuck? I I literally... It's great. Like... Literally, I looked up that dress, and it was a $3,500 dress, and I'm like, how? (laughs) Yeah, also, I'm realizing how, like, unrealistic Carrie Bradshaw's um, fashion wardrobe is on a writer's salary. Until the later seasons, when she, like, writes a book and gets, like, and is, is doing book tours. I was like, I don't, I don't know how she affords all this shit. Um at all but you know whatever it's a it's a book it's fiction it's fantasy um but yeah so i watched that i actually watched a lot of movies i watched mom and dad which is a really uh fun bad nicholas cage movie with selma blair nicholas cage about parents who want to kill their own children um it's pretty funny um it's it's definitely not serious at all it's not good but it's like i love nicholas cage because he either does really 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 good movies or so bad they're good like they're entertaining to watch um, and then I watched Deadpool 2, but I fell asleep because I was really tired as the last movie we watched. Um, but it was really funny. And I rewatched America's Sweethearts, which is one of my favorite, um, cause we, we had a snow day in the South. And so I watched America's Sweethearts, which is one of my favorite romantic comedies. It's why my sister calls me Kiki and I call her Gwen. And, um, then I actually watched a movie that Brittany suggested months ago and i was like ah that sounds stupid it's a rom-com i haven't i've been avoiding romantic comedies for a really long time and i don't know why because i used to love them like bridget jones and bridget jones the edges of reason the edge of reason 
were two of my absolute favorite movies in the entire world. And then, like, I just kind of didn't... I just thought romantic comedies were stupid and vapid. But uh, I, we watched this really... Uh, me and my fr our friend Peter watched this movie, Always Be My Maybe, on Netflix. It's the fucking cutest thing ever. And I, I, love I legitimately it. laughed the whole time. Um, yeah. And then, lastly, if you didn't know... The Shape of Water is on Hulu, and I had only watched it oh, once yeah. before, and I watched it on my day off, and it always makes me tear up. I forgot that there's this beautiful song that I love. It's called um, You'll Never Know, and I forgot how much of an integral part of The Shape of Water it is, and I couldn't stop singing it because it's just one of my favorite old-timey Broadway... It's a Broadway song. It's an old-timey Broadway song, and I first heard it on a Kristen Chenoweth album called let yourself go and i just loved it and then i forgot that it was in the shape of water and like that's the song she sings in like the dance number which is still a weird like thing but it makes sense because she lives kind of in a fantasy world because she's always watching like television with her neighbor but i was just like oh i forgot that song like is in this movie so much and i just love that song so much um, but yeah, I, I totally tear up at the end of Shape of Water because it's beautiful. It's so fucking gorgeous. Um, and I hadn't watched it in a really long time. So, um, and I love Guillermo del Toro. Um, one of his other movies was on Pan's Labyrinth is also streaming somewhere, but Crimson Peak isn't streaming for free anywhere, which makes me sad because I really love Crimson Peak. I did too. I saw it in I really theaters. did. Yeah. I, saw I it did in theaters. too. Yeah. I, can't, I think I saw it with my friend Elizabeth. I feel like I think because we were really upset when the dog almost died. We were really upset. And anyways, um, speaking of actually one of the actors in this movie was in Crimson Peak, by the way. But we'll oh, yeah, I know exactly what actor you're talking about. But I guess we should actually get to the movie now that we've talked yeah. about some movies. Um, do you want to give a little background? Yeah, um, so Remy Weeks is actually, I believe that's how you pronounce Remy's last name. Um, it's spelled W-E-E-K-E-S. But Remy Weeks, um, he, uh, this was his first, like, I guess, feature-length directorial debut. Um, he directed the short film Excel. Um, that movie's, that short film's about 12 minutes long. He also co-directed this um, short called Metamorphosis uh, for the 2012 National Gallery. Um, and I actually did watch Men Metamorphosis. Oh, cool. If I could speak, my God. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It was only four minutes long. But it's actually like a visual interpretation of the myth of Achaeon, who was, of course, the one that saw Artemis bathing and was torn apart by his own hounds. Um, so, yeah, it's really visually beautiful, um, which was cool because seeing all of this, it was like, okay, like you can definitely see even in his shorts that he's a very strong visual director. Um, and there's a lot of very strong visual choices in this movie that I really liked. Um, he also uh, wrote the, spring, the screenplay for this movie. So he wrote the screenplay. Um, um, and he did it based off of a story by uh, Felicity Evans and Toby Venables, which I, I was not able to find a lot of information about Felicity Evans and Toby yeah. Venables. So, yeah. but um, They've done one other movie to, script together. Mm -hmm. They were like a writing team. And I, the thing that I, I did watch a couple interviews and the director said that he was approached to write this script with them because they were trying to work in, they were trying to write a horror movie from the viewpoint of an immigrant family and they were having trouble and they asked him to help but then he doesn't really say anything about his background like are his parents immigrants he sounds very british yeah. so i i assume he was born in britain or maybe he came over maybe he is an immigrant maybe he came over as a baby but i kind of expected with this kind of story because it is about a refugee couple um in another country that's kind of like the starting point for this movie um the setting i guess um i kind of expected like somebody who had experienced that to write this movie so i was a little surprised that it was just like a british dude yeah but i i tried to look up and see if there's any background but he hasn't done a lot of stuff so maybe it just didn't come up but i did watch at least one interview with him but and in a, i read a couple interviews i didn't really see anything about it um, but he's also done commercial work as well but this is his feature film debut and i think it's quite a strong one 
Yeah, I would agree with that totally. Um, and the movie didn't have a lot of actors. There's a lot of extra. So there's a lot of uh, really wonderful extra work in this movie. Mm-hmm. But there's really only um, three real prominent roles. And to be honest, there's only two that are like very, very lead characters. Yeah. That, of course, almost the entire story is um, given to. So, yeah. yeah. I think you want to go through a synopsis? Did you write yeah, a synopsis? I sure did, yeah. So um, basically, uh, once again, his house, Netflix. Um, so after a young couple make a traumatic escape from a war-torn South Sudan, they seek asylum in a small England town. However, they soon find out that something followed them, and that something threatens to destroy everything. Yeah. yeah. This And it is a very small cast, and it's a very interesting little story. Also... I was trying to understand. I know there's been a conflict in the South Sudan for a really long time. Um, it's one of the newest nations in the world. Um, I think it gained its independence in like the 2000s. Yeah. And um, basically the conflict that's going on in this movie that forces this couple to leave their home has been going on since the 80s. Yeah. And there was a ceasefire in 2020 but there have been ceasefires before. So right now it's in a ceasefire, but I don't know. That's not really like a complete end different. So anyways, I don't want to go too far into it. I'll probably cut some of that out because I'm not an expert, but I did want to give people like kind of a background. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I was a little confused too. Cause I was like, so what exactly um, the, one of the main characters explains it. Like there are two tribes in my country and uh, she like, depending on what tribe you belong to um you have different like tattoos on your body and or like it's it's like scarring like ritual scarring tattoos and she marks herself with both so she doesn't belong to anyone so they can't like punish her one way or the other but she says like you know they're both killing each other over it um kind of like ireland in the trouble um, anyways, sorry, that was depressing. Uh, I guess we should get into characters now. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm glad you said that, because I actually looked up some things too, Katie, and I, I also was kind of struggling to understand, uh, about a lot of the conflict going on, and I, and me personally, I was like, I definitely do not want to seem completely, um, educated on the subject, but my general gist was that, of course, it's a civil war, um, and there, of course, has been a lot of, um, human rights abuses, um, there's been massacres, there's been a lot of killing of journalists, um, so it's definitely, um, a lot of awful things going on there, um, and kind of, um, you definitely get that, um, there's a few integral scenes in the movie that I know we'll talk about, so you definitely get that there is, a lot of awful uh, things happening, and you can understand why, why some of the choices they make, they make. So I will say that, and we'll get into that discussion later. So yeah, yes. mm-hmm. um, yes. but yeah. So of course, I feel so. Um, Wami Mosaku, who plays uh, Rial Major, uh, she was amazing. I thought she yes. was wonderful. Oh, she was so good. Um, but she's she was, great. She was so good. Um, so she, um, I feel like she's definitely getting out there. She had a lot of, I'll be honest, she had a pretty decent filmography. I didn't, I wasn't familiarized with a lot of the stuff that she was in. Well, she, so she's been in some of my favorite television shows. Um, the newest of which is Lovecraft Country. She plays the older sister who's a singer of the main um, female character. Oh, yeah. She is yes. awesome. She's, she's awesome. amazing. She's in, the pot, she's in that first episode, too. She's performing. It's really good, though. But then she also um, was on Luther, and I don't remember her character from Luther, but it's been a really long time since I watched Luther. If you haven't seen Luther, you definitely should. And mm-hmm. then I know that she's a detective on the end of the fucking world, which is also a Netflix show. It's based on a British film. Um, and it's one of my favorites that I've seen. And she's going to be in the low key mini series, which I'm sure. Was oh, that's you awesome. Say. Yeah. You're way more up on the Marvel than I am. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I think Wanda vision, I will say this real quick. Wanda vision's laid a very solid foundation for this. Uh, this, so is, is it called the second phase that Marvel's about to do now? I have no but, idea. Yeah. So yeah, I there's like different it. phases, but yeah, it's very, uh, awesome. So, um, did you want to go into the other major character actor in this? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I don't know if I'm going to say his right. I'm going to guess it's Sope or mm-hmm. Soapy Durisu as Bol Majeur. And uh, he's a, a British actor. Um, he mostly has TV credits, including Humans, which I have heard of it. It's like um, like AI kind of stuff. A show that I've heard of and haven't watched called Gangs of London. And he's also been on an episode of Black Mirror. So he's done mostly television work. Um, I think he does a really good job in this movie. And, um, yeah, I was impressed with his um, performance as I was with One Me Masaka. Um, I think they both do a really, really good job in this movie. And then we have Matt Smith, a.k.a. Yes. the 11th Doctor, who, oh, um, yeah. who's also been in The Crown. Yeah, um, Prince Philip. Prince Philip in the, when, um, uh, what's her face? When Claire Foy. Claire Foy. Yeah. Yes. So another, an insane um, connection. And mm-hmm. then he's actually going to be, um, I know which one you're going to say. But he's also in the upcoming Edgar Wright film, Last Night in Soho, which should be released. I think they keep having to delay it because of Co- Soho. I mean, COVID. Soho. Because of COVID. No, I didn't um, know what you were about to say with Matt Smith because I mainly had him down as the oh. 11th Incarnation and Prince Philip. But he's also playing Damon Targaryen in House of the Dragons. Oh, basically. fuck. That's right. Yep. That so, was actually official news. I yeah, think. It's on his okay. IMDb. Uh, so that was actually official casting news, yes. And before I, I do, I probably okay, guys. I'm gonna admit something. I'm very, very excited about um about the um uh, about the Targaryen prequel. I really, really am uh, because the Dance of Dragons is like my favorite thing, like my favorite, my favorite like historical story in the Game of Thrones universe, uh, a Song of Ice and Fire universe. The only thing is, is that I still can't wrap my head around the casting. I probably will have to see them in makeup and hair before I can wrap my head around them. Because once you get yeah. these ideas of these characters in your head, it's very hard. You put a lot of pressure on actors. Um, so to be honest, I will forget about casting news sometimes when it comes to shows like that. Because well, I'll look at an actor and just be like, I don't see it, but it's okay. It will be there. So Yeah, I mean, I think people forget how important hair and makeup really are and how different it can make you look. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, think about Amelia um, Clarkson. Clark. Clark. Amelia Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> Amelia Clark. <laughs> Amelia Clark. Um, it's been a long day. It's been a long okay. week. We had snow in the South. Yes. Yesterday. It was crazy. I took a walk in the snow. It was great. And Brittany lost power for several hours. So yes, I did. Crazy. But no, Matt um, Smith Matt Smith is a is an attractive man and I do have a best friend who is absolutely crazy about Doctor Who. Um so I'm not saying uh, anything bad about Matt Smith. I just uh reading about Damon Targaryen, I'm kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around the casting. But he oh, probably I, did I great see thing. him as a Targaryen. With blonde yeah, hair? Cool. I totally see it. Well, Damon had more of, like, silver. Because, you know, a lot of the Targaryens go between blonde and silver. But uh, think of Henry Cavill in The Witcher. Like, I was like, okay, and then Henry- I, with that silver hair. Oh, God. Ooh. Okay, I, Henry Cavill is one of those guys that, like, he is very handsome, clean. But there's something fucking sexy about him in the witcher i'm sorry it's oh my god incredible. i never thought he was i didn't i don't really like superman and i didn't really yeah. even find him that attractive as superman but henry cavill in the witcher is fucking See? hot yeah um but so uh, moving on um the, there's only other really two characters um Mal- no. and i'm but, not yeah. saying her name wrong malika or malika walkley abagaba as nyagok um, this is her first film credit. She's a child actor. Mm-hmm. Does phenomenally. She doesn't have a lot of lines, but good performance. Um, and then yeah. this was the one that I thought was very interesting. And I, it's a, I don't know if it's a minor spoiler. Oh, because yeah. eh. um, We'll just say there's a there's a scary character. And one of the scary characters um, is played by Javier Botet. Um, who, it, like Doug Jones, not the politician, but the actor mm-hmm. um, who played the creature in The Shape of Water, um, he does a lot of body work, like character body work, and he's been in Crimson Peak. He played a lot of the ghosts in Crimson Peak. Um, he was in Wreck. Wreck is the uh, the original version of Quarantine, because we remade it, yeah. Um, he plays some mm-hmm. of like the creatures in that. Um, he was in The Revenant as... He yes, he plays the revenant, like one of the ghosts. Tristiana, um, like a dream monster. He was Mama in Mama, 
and or Mama, I don't know how they pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And he was the hobo in it. So, and he's also a writer, and he's originally from Spain. So he does a lot of body work, character work. So you've seen yeah. him in a lot of things, but you probably would never recognize him. Just like Doug Jones, a cool body work person that you've probably seen in a thousand things and you never realized was in it. Anyways, I thought that was, I just want to recognize yeah. him too, because I don't think we always recognize people who do body work and don't always like have lines. Um, oh yeah. Um, with that, I guess we can go through the movie. Yes. Um, before we go to spoilers, any recommendations? Yeah, I would definitely uh, recommend this movie. I, I think I made the note even when I was watching this movie that one of my favorite things about this movie is how strong of a film it is visually. Um, it is legitimately scary. Or at least in my opinion it is. Um, I know not all of us have the same fears of things that go bump in the night. But uh, this this movie scared me. I did scream both times I watched it. <laughs> um, but yeah, visually I just loved it. There are some shots in this movie that I just thought were phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's really the strong point of it is the visual style and the performances. Mm-hmm. I think the two main characters especially give very powerful performances. I will say, I really liked it a lot. It's definitely not one of my favorite movies we've done, but I really, really liked it. I just think maybe it's a little too depressing. Yeah, the watchability factor isn't there. To love yeah. it. Yeah, it's not like something I'll watch over and over again, but I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's an amazing first mm-hmm. feature film debut, too, by a director, and I really think the main actors do just a really good job of portraying their roles very honestly. And um, I like that it's telling the story of something that we hear about, about refugees and people, you know, trying to seek asylum, but maybe we don't really see it from their point of view. Um, I I like that it takes that without being um, in your face about it. It's not like it's a documentary. It wasn't like Unsane where they're like, we're going to expose the deep, seedy underbelly of society. It's just kind of like, yeah, like this is a shitty situation and people have been going through this. But, you know, that's not the whole story. And I like that. Um, I really think most people will enjoy this movie. I think it it was, the first time I watched it, I definitely was like, ooh, scary. Like, it's a little jump scary for me, but not as, it's not total jump scare. Like, they, they do some subtle scares, too, and it's mostly, like, a creepy vibe. I will say, like, I think after you watch it once, because there are, I'm not gonna, there's not really, like, a twist, but there's some revelations. Yeah later on in the movie story-wise that is probably my favorite aspect of it because it completely turns what's happening yeah. on its head and i think that's probably the best part so like the second time you see it it's good it's just not as like it's it, it definitely i i was like oh yeah. the first time i watched it i was like oh my god and like the second time i watched it i was just gonna be like movie's still good i was just kind of looking so really good highly recommend Definitely not one of my favorites, but definitely worth yeah. watch. So, so anyways, I guess with that, we should go to spoilers in three, two, one. Okay. I don't know why I sound like a valley girl. <laughs> okay, go. so we are, uh, we open the movie, there's an opening shot, and um, the Mudgers have a little girl, their daughter, um, saying it with air quotations, um, come to that later. Um, she looks terrified and uncertain. Um, they are obviously fleeing. Um, they're crossing the ocean initially. Um, they're in a boat. There's probably like 50 or 60 people in the boat. Um, and then they're, the boat is capsized. And there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of people screaming. And uh, we wake up with um, Bol Major. And he's having a dream. And so um, they're obviously in England at this point. So they have escaped their war tour country. They're in England. And they get called to the gym. And getting called to the gym is a very exciting thing. Because it means there's a possibility that they're getting kind of out of... Um, I don't think they necessarily call it quarantine, but it's almost like they're being kept in one building and they're allowed to get their own house. So they're called to the gym and they're released from detention as asylum seekers is what's going on. Um, so when they tell them this, they're just like, hey, uh, there's there's a few rules, though. So you're being released um, from the detention center. Um, however, you're not citizens yet. And this is what we got going on. There's a weekly report. Um, you cannot supplement your income in any way. Um, yeah, the home is of the government's choosing and you cannot move for any reason and you're getting 74 pounds a week, which I looked it up is $103.04 to survive on. Which, if you're, if you aren't yeah. paying rent or utilities, is doable. But then I was like, later on I was like, 
what about Netflix? Like, what do you do all day if you can't yeah. work? You can't work. You can't supplement your income. And you can't, you can leave the house, but you can't really do anything. That's, and I mean, that's a minor struggle. But I'm just saying, like, the day-to-day must get really monotonous. Yeah, basically. exactly. But that is so, I mean, it's so heartbreaking because it's like they're so hopeful. And he even says that, like, a few times. He's like, we're yes. good people. We're good people. And they kind of cut him off. And he immediately laughs yeah. about it, like, in a, in a joyful way. And they're like, hey, like, I'm sure you're good people, but we're not the ones you have exactly. to impress. So and so, yeah. Cautious. And so they move into this house, and it's a little piece of shit. Um, there's, like, food that's been left out. There's cockroaches in places. Like, it's just... Well, that was yeah, the worst it's part. it's awful. The pizza box with the cockroaches in it. But they keep disgusting. bringing up, too. And I thought this was kind of funny, but shitty at the same, same time. The caseworkers, like, they bring this up multiple times in the in the movie. That the house, they're like, well, it's, you know, my home's half the size of this. So even though, like, the home yeah. is not in a very good neighborhood, it's not a very good place, it's ran down, it's still, like, it's a home. It's a sanctuary for the two of them, and it's still a big place. So it's a big, it's a big house for just the two of them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the care, the um, social worker is yes, Matt yeah, and he is, and he okay. does seem so. The second time watching this, because I actually I didn't watch my two watchings weren't back to back. I saw this movie when it was originally released on Netflix, and then I rewatched it again for the podcast. Right. But um, this most recent time, I thought he seemed a little bit more sincere than I initially remembered him. Like he seemed a little bit more kinder than I think I I initially thought him being. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about the caseworkers in this movie is there is this coldness to them especially the people in the gym the first time but if you think about if you've ever had friends who are in social work you almost have to distance yourself from the people you're helping to keep yourself from emotionally getting hurt so i think what the director is trying to show is that people even people who are in a job that they want to help people have to emotionally distance themselves from this issue because if you get too emotionally invested it's gonna yeah. kill you so and i mean i think that's like this character's point is that he does care about them and he wants them to succeed he is being sincere but he's also not trying to be overly involved in their life because it, it, like i mean we've all seen a billion times where you get emotionally involved with someone you're helping them change their life for the better and then something derails it and you're just yeah. devastated I, I like that they bring that into the mix yeah. too but i didn't really notice that until like probably the second watch through i don't know i just got yeah. that a little bit from the no movie. i understand but for matt smith's character especially. yeah no i understand and um no it, it makes sense but yeah no i feel like th- there's a difference in my head like the people in the gym were too cut off matt smith was being safe like he was distancing himself from them but he was still being kind to them yeah. which i felt like was two different like sides of it um, but that night, so their first night yeah. in the house, uh, Bo hears rustling humming coming from the wall. So that is like literally the first night in the house. Like there's an uneasiness. Okay. But he's like, he kind of was like, okay, whatever. So the next day he's trying to assimilate himself, uh, by getting his hair cut. Um, he goes to the bar, he's singing bar songs. Um, but he has another dream, uh, or vision yeah. of a vine coming from within the walls. And so he's starting to pull on it. And, um, he's starting to, at this point, like, Bo starts to believe that there's something in the house with them. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of setting it up, okay, like, we know something is amiss. We know something's wrong, but we don't really know what that something is. Um, and then one of the, the next scene is one of the saddest scenes to me is that, um, so Raelle is trying to get to the doctor and she's getting turned around because obviously she is not familiarized with the area and she literally has a drawing of how to get there and um keep in mind a lot of their neighbors in their area are white people and so she actually runs into a group of young black men and uh i was watching it with the subtitles this time because the first time i didn't watch it with the subtitles and so when they speak in their in their um native tongue uh, the language is called Dinka. And when she first approaches the boys, it's she's speaking in Dinka because she almost like assumes like they would be able to conversate with her. And instead, they kind of make fun of her. They joke about her accent. They call, they're like, oh, your auntie's talking to you. And it just makes you feel like so horribly uncomfortable because it's like she's trying to bond the only way she's not assimilating. So Bo is assimilating better than Rael is. Rael is not really assimilating to this culture. Yeah. And that's, that's really sad, really heartbreaking. 
uh, for me to watch. And she's also the one that is constantly bringing up their child who's been lost, Nyagak. And she's much more, he's trying to move on and she's kind of holding on to the mm-hmm. past. And yeah, that made me like, little, and they're like little bitches, yeah. they're little jerky teenagers. But she does find the doctor and the doctor's really nice. But, can, okay, is it just me? So she goes to the doctor, and the doctor's nice, but she's also, like, you know, she doesn't really know her, and she's trying to make, like, conversation. She's like, oh, I like your necklace. And she's like, oh, it was my daughter's. And she was like, oh, you should get her registered, too. And, like, Rial just doesn't say mm-hmm. anything. And she's just like, um, okay. And she's just trying to chit-chat. And then finally she's like, oh, I like your um, tattoo on your face. And then she just, like, deadpan looks at her. She's like, in my country, there are two tribes, and they're killing each other. And this, these I've had since I was a little girl. These I gave to myself after my family was butchered and murdered. I have both symbols of both tribes, so I don't belong to anyone, and that's how I stayed safe. And the doctor's just like, well, your blood pressure's normal, so, uh, looking good! And you're just like, oh my god. Like, she's so, but I mean, like, she is, like, traumatized. Yeah. It's like, she has PTSD, and, like, that's why, like, I think people underestimate how much PTSD can really affect your day-to-day life. Not just your personal life, but just, like, you're, like, going to work and, like, saying something that people don't necessarily want to hear or are, like, comfortable hearing. It's not even that people don't want to hear it. It's just, like, they don't know how to respond either. So, but I, I did think it was kind of funny. It was kind of comedic, but not really. It was also really, was. really sad. Um, and she's basically made a, a necklace from the little, the doll that you saw in Niagok, Niagok, I'm sorry, holding when she was, um, in the yeah. truck. Um, what so, um, so she, she goes home and then Bo, Bo comes home and this is the first, um, time during the movie that the Apeth is mentioned, um, and so, uh, mm-hmm. and this is what's really interesting is that, like, I tried to read more, um, lore on the Apeth, and every time I looked it up, all it brought up was this movie. Um, so I wasn't able to find a lot of, like, real lore, but the way, um, Rael explains it is that, you know, she's like, my mom told me a story of an honorable man who wanted a house for himself, and so he stole, and he ended up stealing from a man near the, um, river, and the man from the river was an epet. He's a night witch. And so he came to live in the house with the man. And uh, watching it this time around, I realized that Bo is uh, symbolic. Bo is the honorable man that, you know, the apeth is following. Um, so I really like that kind of, um, I guess, like, intersection of the story when you're thinking about it. But there's this is, like, one of my favorite shots in the movie is that... Um, is that it pulls out from the kitchen. They're having this uh, conversation at the kitchen uh, table. And it pulls out um, from their kitchen. And you see, like, the sea in the sky and, like, war happening. And it's an absolutely beautiful shot. And um, so after this conversation, um, you know, Bo is attacked by Nyagak. Um, and so and to me that is, like, a really, like, uh, it's a very tense scene. Uh, it's a very scary scene. I think yeah. that's like the scene that kind of got my adrenaline going a little bit both times I watched it. Also, the fact that like Nyagak is like mm-hmm. in the wall and running around in different parts of the yeah. wall. Oof. That was probably the creepiest. Um, yeah, it's and you know, there's this whole cultural thing going on, this struggle between Real and Bull because he's trying to embrace English culture. Like, he's eating with a knife and fork. He's sitting at the table. Traditionally, at least from what the movie shows, like, most of the time you sit on the floor. Like, you don't really use furniture to eat meals. Like, it's more of, like, a blanket. And, like, that's kind of, like, they they kind of eat with their hands, too. Like, the food that she prepares for dinner. But he's trying to get her to use a knife and fork and to sit at the table. And so he's trying to assimilate. But he's kind of trying to force her to assimilate. Which, yeah, you do need to assimu- assimilate to a culture that you're going to move into. Like, if you want to be somewhere and be a part of that community, you're going to have to assimilate a little bit. But there's also, like, you don't want to lose every bit of your background either. Which I think is 
an interesting struggle shown in this movie just through the simple act of like eating with utensils versus eating with your hands and sitting at a table instead of sitting on the floor anyways i'm sorry that was a little thing no no i and you're right because even like the colors she starts she continues to wear brighter brighter colors traditional clothing and of course Mm -hmm. he's trying to dress to fit in so like as the movie progresses okay he buys clothes off like he sees a picture in a store and buys them the exact same. Yeah, exactly. Like a very H and M style store. And they're gray. Yeah, it's like gray and green, and she's wearing these bold, yeah. bright like colors. Um, so after after this yeah. conversation though, and after he's attacked, he tries to burn everything they brought with them, um, including like he the necklace um, that sh- that uh, Raelle is wearing. Um, so he's like trying to destroy everything they came from, which is very Im- impossible. Um, but it's really sad because you know it's like. He, after this sequence, he is uh, he kind of goes crazy because he sees all these people, and it ends up you can kind of recognize there's people that were on the boat with them. So it's just like it's not just mm-hmm. Nyagat that's haunting them. It's literally it's like he has survivor's guilt and he has PTSD, and it is yes. heartbreaking mm-hmm. um, that he is going through all this. And so he starts beating the fucking, he starts tearing the walls apart. He starts like hammering shit and hitting the walls and. Yeah, this isn't good because, once again, this is a government house that was given to them. Um, So, the next day, he does what probably a a normal, reasonable person would do. He tries to convince his social worker that there's rats and bugs. um, And they're just like, yeah, man, we're not buying this. You know, uh, there's going to be rats wherever you go. And then they're all like, oh, well, his house is bigger than mine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Mm Oh, my God. Yeah. But in a uh, social worker Matt Smith's defense, which that's not his real name, his name is Mark. But um, Mark does come. Mark. Mark does come to the house, and um, he, I, I love this scene because you know Ray. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh my god, it must have been some pretty big rats. And he's like, oh fuck, this is not a good situation. Ray literally comes out, and she's like, well, did you tell him about the the witch? <laughs> he's just like, uh, what yeah. the fuck? Okay. She's like, yeah, he was he was trying to find the witch. That's why there's holes in the walls. And he's just like, uh, okay, well, I have to report this, so please clean it up before people get here. And he's like, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I will fix it. This is my this is our home. And that's the other thing is, Bol is so like wanting to embrace that this is our home. He wants a new start, and Rial is having a hard time moving on from yeah. the past. And she doesn't want. She's like, I think we need to go back and pay our debt to the apath or you know and it's 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 more symbolic it's not you know that's what like i was watching this with our friend peter and he kept saying he's like i think the house is i think there's someone living in the house i was like i don't think it's a real person i do kind of like that they set up this house to be so in such a bad state and abandoned in such a state that it's believable that maybe somebody is living in the house and maybe or it's haunted and it's like actually haunted because like, like it sets up. It's not you're not sure exactly what's happening. You're not sure if it's all in their head or someone yeah. in their head, or not in their head at all, and it's real. So I did think that it's cool that they set it up kind of like that. Oh, I did want to say real, real quick. There, there is a there's a scene that happens where Raelle is talking to him, and I love this scene. It's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. She's like, you know, because he's terrified. Uh, granted, because she is. It's, we see her sitting at the table, and we don't see who she's talking to, but it seems like she is able to talk to this presence compared to it with Bo, it is literally um, assaulting him. And so he is terrified, and he mm-hmm. says something to her, and she goes, do you really think I'm afraid of bumps in the night after I see, I've seen what men can do? And yeah. that just, like, shocked me kind of to my core, I think, the first time I watched it, that literally there's fucking something in their walls. And she's not scared of it. She's not afraid because she's seen yeah. everything now. Um, yeah, but she's a tough lady. Um, but they eventually, like, she has, like, kind of a dream sequence where she remembers exactly what happened. So what we know at this point is that they oh, had a daughter. So wait, and... I'm so sorry. I'm not to mm. get things out of um, chronological order. So uh, Bo confronts the Apeth. He locks them in their own house and confronts the Apeth. And then we see what really happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. He goes kind of... Oh, she stabs Mm -hmm. him, too. Yes, and he locks her in the house. And she stabs him to try to escape. And 
kind of goes into a dissociative state and has a flashback sequence where she's talking to all these women in this schoolroom. Well, then she flashes back even further. She's like, I know this is a dream. And she asks, where is her daughter? And they're, they, they're like, what daughter? And she flashes back. And you find out that she must have taught at a school, at, in this school. And there was a massacre at her school. And she hid in a cabinet and was able to survive it, unlike everyone else in her classroom. And Bull came and found her. And they walked all the way to the bus stop, and they were only taking children, and they grabbed the nearest child and pretended to be her parents, and that yeah. was Nyagok. And um, as the bus was driving away, Nyagok's mom saw her and is, like, chasing after the bus, yeah. and that's awful. Um, and it's just like, yeah, they might be good people, and they might have survived something really bad, but that's something fucking terrible yeah. they did. But yeah, but I will say this, and I'm not defending the situation because it is absolutely fucking traumatic. But at the same time, watching the scene, it seems like Nyagak is almost in shock. And she keeps going, Mama, 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 Mm -hmm. over and over again. And there's no woman around Mm -hmm. her. So I do think that maybe initially Bo thought she may have been an orphan. And then he was just like, you know, this is my shot. I'm going to take it. And then after they're yeah. on the bus, they're like, no, we, we messed up bad, but it's too late now. But yeah. you've also gone so far, it's, it's too late. there's no return. That's the thing, like, and, you know, maybe they, they are trying to protect her. Like, she says, I will protect you, but then the boat accident happens, and she yeah. drowns. And they try, but he feels guilt for not trying harder. And so they kind of come to... And he's decided that he is going to sacrifice himself. Well, but also the um, Apeth um, gives her the choice yeah. of, well, you need to sacrifice him for Nyagak. And so there's a scene in the kitchen where you see the knife on the table and she's going for it and then it disappears. And she's like trying to going to make this terrible decision to like kill her husband to, you know, be Uh, forgiven for this terrible sin they've committed and um he takes that out of her hand and cuts his own arm um not kill he doesn't kill himself at first i was like oh my god please don't kill yourself but he slices his arm so the apath is drawn to them and as the apath is trying to oh this is disgusting so through the hole in his skin he's the apath the witch is putting its hand through his skin so he can wear his skin and that was probably the worst part i was like ah disgusting it was really gross um like and but unbeknownst to the apath um real um stabs the bitch and um defeats him and then they kind of like defeat them together and instead of like forgetting about their ghosts they learn to live with them which I think is really cool because, like, Matt Smith comes back the next day and is like, hey, you patched up all the wall. And and Rial is all at peace and, like, I think I'm going to paint this room red. This is our home now. And she's, like, come to peace with it. But then, like, they go back after Matt Smith. Oh, wait, Smith I didn't want to say this because there's – I think wait, I think it's okay. funny. So because Bo uh, goes – he's, like, uh, Matt Smith's character is, like, did you take care of the rats? And then Bo's, like, yeah, Rael killed the witch. And it's so funny because initially, like, he's, like, trying, like, when she mentions the witch, she just looks at her like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he's literally the one that's like, oh, yeah, she killed the witch. Like, yeah. and so it's he, he embraces it's really it. He's no longer trying to, he, he yeah, it's like he, it he's trying it. to assimilate, yes, but at the same time, he's not just trying to push away their whole history either. And I really like that line. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's cute. And then, like you see all of their ghosts living in the house with them, but it's not as sad as it was before. And they're not scary. They just look like people. And it's all the people that they saw killed on the way getting here. And I think that's really powerful because so many people that do seek asylum have had to say goodbye to so many people in their lives, their neighbors, their friends, their family members. And you never forget those people. You just learn to live with the grief of losing them. And that's... Uh, I'm totally stealing that from Rabbit Hole. Oh, God, I love that play. Um, but there's a great line where the... The grandmother is talking to the main character, who's her daughter. And she, the daughter is asking how 
you learn how how you get over grief because the grandmother lost her son years ago and the main character has lost her young son in different ways but both of them have lost a child and they're kind of coming to terms with the fact that they're more similar than they think they are and the grandmother's just like you don't ever lose that grief you never lose it you just learn to carry it with you and sometimes it just gets a little lighter yeah it sucks and you learn to live with it and this is not equating this to losing people to a fucking civil war at all but i'm just saying my little bit of grief i can understand how losing that many people could be just completely yeah. overwhelming because losing one person in your life traumatically can cause some serious mental and emotional damage but i like that they like they've conquered yeah. this together and it it very much gives me Bobby yeah. vibes a little bit very similar i i like Bobadick a little bit better but not i think this maybe the the acting is a little more powerful yeah. in this movie um but i think i liked I think it was a little clearer in Babadook. Like, the lesson was definitely grief, not... Like, it was very obvious that the Babadook was symbolizing grief. Whereas this is, like, more symbolizing survivor's guilt, but it's a little I actually, more I actually fluid. like the story of the Apeth, and I, I'm, I touched on this a bit earlier, but, you know, the to me, it mentioned... So, I thought it was very interesting when Rael was telling the story of the Apeth, because she said a there was once a very honorable man who stole from people. And so it could have just been a thief. And the thief could have disturbed, could have disturbed what happened to him with the Apep. But it was, it was an honorable person. And I like this idea of Bo right. was, is an honorable person. He's a good man. He just made a, he, he made this a very, he made this very kind of awful, bad decision in terms of survival he did whatever he had to do to survive and i like i like these movies that give us these characters with with gray you can have a good person that makes a bad decision like there are people in the world who are good people who make bad decisions but they do whatever they have to do to survive or provide for their family or just get by and i i like this idea of this honorable man who has to live with this decision for the rest of his life because he did something in the moment Yes. Anyways, um, but yeah, I think overall, interesting movie, interesting theme, and something different, and I really liked it. Um, uh, did you have a I... rating? Or was there anything... Oh, wait, before we go to ratings, was there anything you didn't like? I'm trying to think if there's something off the... I'll be honest. Okay, this is really stupid. I love visually the movie. I didn't really like the design of the Apeth. I mean, obviously, Javier Botet is an amazing actor. You know, he's very scary looking. I just felt it was so basic. I wish they almost had kept him in the shadows. I thought he was scarier when we didn't see him. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I also... The thing that... And this wasn't awful in this movie, but this happens a lot in movies where people are speaking Mm -hmm. multiple languages. I wish they had subtitled the Dinka lines a little more consistently because there were some times where they didn't. And I was like, wait, what's happening? I just wanted to know. But maybe that's, you know, maybe I need to go learn Dinka, um, which I don't don't know Dinka at all. But um, that was probably the only thing I really didn't like. Because there wasn't really anything visually that, like, stuck out to me as, like, amateur or childish or anything. I thought it was really good. I thought it was, like, highly unoffensive, this movie. Like, it wasn't anything that I was like, oh, they're trying too hard here. Like, everything seemed very honest and real. And I want to see this director do more stuff. I I think he's really interesting. I wish I knew more about him, but there's not really a lot. Which might make him a better director because it's more about the movie and less about him, you know? Um, but I will say, like, somebody did ask him about, like, oh, is this because, like, us and Get Out have given more, you know, is, is this one of the reasons why you were inspired to this movie? He's like, no, nah, I just want to do this movie, but, I mean, I'm glad that's amplified black voices. So, which is, you know, I think is more of the goal of, like, Black History Month, amplifying black voices, like, making sure there's representation in every industry but since we've mostly focused on the entertainment industry obviously the entertainment industry because so many times like i do think we get a little over saturated with you know white people but it's nice to amplify people that aren't always in the spotlight in an, and make it normal too like that's the thing like i don't want it to be this like temporary yeah. thing 
you know, where it's just like, oh, well, everyone liked Get Out, and then no one ever talks about it. So I'm just glad there's movies being made like Bad Hair, like His House, that are predominantly, you know, black cast, black director, but not alienating at all. And I think it's good to recognize movies like that because I, I think it's just it's, it's just going to make things yeah. better in the entertainment industry to have different and it's different like i i have never watched a story about a refugee couple from the point of view of a refugee couple it's always like some you know hoity-toity white person from npr going and we went to africa and interviewed these people it's like documentary style it's like i want to hear something from that person's point of view so I don't know. I just like I want yeah. more stories like this. So I like I like that it's out there. Even like I said, it's not my favorite movie we've done, but I think it's really good. Um, did you have I a rating? Did. For it? I did. Sorry. I no, you're good. You're good. Then. I had a Grindhouse rating. I rated it in like no in for Night Witches and New Homes. Well, that's cute. I don't really love mine. Mine were rated D for Don't Look a Gift Horse in the Hole in the Wall. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. And then rated R for Restless Spirits and Refugees. I like that one, too. But I kind of like yours. Yay. I like yours. Oh, did you have a writing rating? Like a... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I would give this a solid 7 out of 10. Okay, 7. I think it's really, really good. Performances, 9 out of 10. But I think watchability makes it a 7 out of 10. Okay, I can agree with that, too. I was thinking 7 or 8. And then I was thinking performances. Yeah, I can agree with the nine. It's very, very, I'm yeah. very looking forward to see what um, Sophie and um, Wami are going to do next. So, very great yeah. actors. So At least we know one of them is going to be in Loki. So, Woo! Yeah, one thing. And I got to rewatch um, End of the Fucking World and Luther and go find her. Yes. Okay, guys. So, um, it is my turn to pick the movie this week and I'm picking one that just came on Showtime for streaming Um, if you want to stream it I'm sure you can probably rent it too or you may have seen it it did come out I do believe last year Um, and it it kind of reminds me of from the trailer a little bit of Neon Demon a little bit of one of my a movie that I wanted to do later but I've been having a harder time getting a hold of um, called Raw it kind of reminds me of that and it might be a little disgusting. I'm not sure. Um, but it is called Swallow. Um, there is also a miniseries called Swallow. That is not it. Um, but it is a movie starring Haley Bennett. And Dennis O'Hare is in it from... Um, American Horror And Star. Lauren... Luna Lauren Velez, who um, was in uh, Dexter. So, and yeah. And Dennis O'Hare from American Horror Story, like Britt just said. Um, and so it's basically this woman who starts swallowing objects that should not be swallowed. And then, um, she becomes obsessed with it, which is a real thing people do. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think is pica when you just swallow things. I think it's different. Pica is like when you eat things, it's a little bit different, but anyways, maybe we'll figure it out next week. Um, but it's currently streaming on Showtime at the time of this episode airing, um, but it, it's been, like, available to rent. So I'm sure if you don't have Showtime, you can rent it. Anyways, it didn't get a huge release because of COVID. So I think a lot of people, maybe this flew under the radar for them. Because I expected to see more about it. And it has, I think, Britt, you said an 88% Rotten Tomato score. Yeah, which is an awesome Rotten so, Tomato score. It's pretty good. Not as good as his house. But um, it just looks interesting. And visually, it looks really good. So, And I don't know anything by this director. And I don't really know anything by Haley Bennett. I think this is a newer performer, I want to say. Or maybe I'm just old and I should know who she is. Um, But it looks interesting. And it's, again, a a female um, lead cast member. So, I don't know. It seems like an interesting look at an interesting obsession. Um, Anyways, um, with that, I think we should say goodnight. Sorry, I'm a little bit crazy. Uh, there might be snow again tonight in the south, so we don't know what's going to happen. So it's it's a little stir-crazy of a week, but we love you guys. Um, please make sure to take your vitamins and wash your hands and wear a mask and um, get a vaccine if you can. 
and try to social distance as best you can and be kind to one another because the world is not such a kind place sometimes, but things can be okay. I really sound tired right now, so I hope I don't sound completely crazy, you guys. No. Um, but I love you guys, and thanks for all the support the last couple of weeks. It's been great. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. Uh, we've seen numbers go up um, across the board on uh, Instagram likes, on Instagram followers, on podcast downloads. Um, it's been really amazing. Um, you'll never know the smile it puts on either mine or Katie's face when Katie checks something, and then she texts me and goes, look! And uh, <laughs> it's like we're up 100 downloads or, you know, it's just really, really cool. It's a great feeling. Um, and it's possible because of you guys, because of the people who listen and tune in. Um, we, yes. we are so grateful. We're grateful for you. We're grateful that you're joining us today. Um, I don't know if you're preparing to say goodnight, if you're about to go to bed, if you're just starting your day, if you're doing housework and just need something to listen to. Um, we're glad that you turned into um your local grindhouse station we're glad to have you here with us and uh once again please drink your water this is a reminder drink your water right now um and i hope you do something for yourself today i hope you take care of yourself today in some way yes i couldn't have said it better myself for it thank you um so with that we'll see you guys on the next episode yep we'll be here uh same spoopy time same spoopy channel stay spoopy y'all bye Bye. Good night. Or good day. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.